0: This morning, um, yeah, I just wanted to share a bit about um, my time with God. We've been doing a, a series over uh, the last um, month or so where we've, instead of yeah, giving the, the reminder for all of us about um, God's amazing grace in each of our lives. And like Andrew and Noah, there are probably hundreds of you here uh, with stories and testimonies of God's grace and faithfulness. And some of you uh, may have only just started a journey with God, uh, maybe like Noah, where he's, you know, after church camp, decided, wow, like, this actually is very meaningful to me. Um, or maybe you have journeyed with the Lord for over 50, 60 years, and yet we all have stories, stories of change and transformation, stories of God's redemption and intervention in our lives, stories of second chances, because our God is a gracious, compassionate, all-powerful God, who's in the business of changing lives for the better. If you just joined us um, today, welcome. We, uh, yeah, we have all our messages on our YouTube channel as well. So if you want to um, go through what the last few weeks have uh, been, please do check that out. There have been such spirit-filled messages, and I'm just so excited um, that we kind of wrapping this up now, and uh, are going to step into the next phase um, in the next few weeks to talk about our church's vision, our church's um, DNA, uh, where we're going to be heading throughout this year with um, like our theme and our, um, and our, our values and, as discipleship, whole-of-life discipleship. Uh, so Pastor Chi will be starting that next week, and we're going to do that for three weeks. Um, and then we're going to jump into um, a book series for Luke Acts so that will be um, fantastic. Well, this morning, I yeah, wanted to just wrap up today's uh, series and share with you some of the insights that I had uh, from my own time with God um, over the last few weeks. And it's a story about um, in the Bible about a man who got a second chance. So let me just pray, and we'll get straight into it. Lord God, we uh, thank you for the testimonies of Andrew and Noah this morning. We thank you that you are a God who had met them where they were at, God, and you were the one who changed their lives and touched and transformed them. And God, we thank you for the testimonies that they have, Lord, and the way that they have publicly declared this to everyone this morning. Lord, we pray that as they continue to do that for the rest of their lives, Lord, that they would bring glory to your name, that they would bring many more others to your kingdom, that we may see them, call them your Lord and Savior, to be baptized and to live their lives um, in obedience to you. And so, God, this morning, as we uh, look into your word, Lord, as we look into um, story, this story of, of um, Peter, God, we ask, God, that you would be um, speaking to us, God, that you would be uh, here with us, Lord, and that you, you, your son, would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Who here likes fishing? Like- oh, yes. Took straight up. My dad and my husband, Jeff, love fishing. Like, they like it so much that they wake up at, like, 5 a.m. to go fishing. And sometimes Jeff will come home from fishing, and um, I'd find fish scales, like, all over my house. In my, like, on in the kitchen sink, on the table, uh, on the floor, on my couch, in my washing. But it's fine, because our, our dog, Peaches, also really likes eating fish. Um, so she'll just go around and lick up all the fish scales that she finds in my house. What a team. <laughs> so sometimes I catch Jeff messaging a WhatsApp group he's in with um, Duke and Adrian, some of the guys in our church who like fishing. And it's a, it's a WhatsApp group called Fishers of Fish. And, and it's funny because at the center of our story this morning is a man named Simon, who along with his brother Andrew were fishermen, like professional fishermen who did it for a living. And when Jesus first met and called out to them, he said, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So fishers of men, fishers of fish. Very clever. But when Jesus um, met him, he not only changed Simon's profession uh, from a fisher of fish to fisher of men, but he also changed Simon's name to Peter, which literally means rock. And later, um, he said that Peter would be the rock on which he would build his church, solidifying Peter's position as a leader in his church and our story this morning comes from the book of john chapter 21 uh, where jesus appears to his disciples shortly after he has been he'd been resurrected and i'm reading from the new living translation this morning so jesus appears to the seven disciples later jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the sea of galilee this is how it happened several of the disciples were there Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing, and we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll, you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had, slipped, uh, he had stripped for work. He jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. "'Bring some of the fish you just caught,' Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. "'Now come and have some breakfast,' Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, "'Who are you?' They knew it was the Lord." Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. And after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I've had this passage rolling around in my head for the last few weeks. This conversation between Peter and Jesus may seem fairly ordinary at first. Peter, do you love me? Yes, and feed my sheep. But if we really stopped to take a moment and step into Peter's shoes, we would know that this conversation wasn't as straightforward as it seems. Only mere days ago, if you go back to um, chapter 18 in John, Peter was standing by courtyard fire, warming himself, watching Jesus on trial being questioned before the high priest for his crucifixion. And it was there, by this courtyard fire, that he denied knowing Jesus and having anything to do with Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. He stuffed up, and he knew it. The one who so confidently boasted to Jesus that you know, even if all fall away, I will not. Even if I have to die with you, I will not disown you. And yet when hardships hardships came and his life was at risk, when God's plan seemed so foolish and illogical, nothing made sense, instead of trusting that God knew exactly what he was doing, instead of trusting in everything that Jesus had taught and said and told him about, Peter falters and he falls back to his own human survival instincts, saving himself. How many of us can relate When things are going well and following Jesus seems to be an easy, convenient road. We're praying, we're praising, we're reading, we're serving. Some of us are even leading. And yet when things get tough, when persecution comes, a pandemic comes, sickness comes, fear comes, emotions, pride, anger, disappointments, frustrations, disagreements, losses, hurts, temptations, sin, when life comes when life hits hard and God's plan doesn't make any sense. Sometimes all we want to do is fall back on what's familiar, to do things our own way, to do what we think the world tells us. And if we're not used to hearing and obeying the word of God, we're going to do and be you know, what we think is convenient, what we think is right, what we think is fair, instead of what God has called us to do. Jesus never said that following him would be easy. He never promises that storms would never come. But he did say that when storms do come, that anyone who listens to my teaching and follows, follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rains come and in, in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And here, back in the book of John, Peter, the rock that Jesus was going to build his church on, is faced with the most confronting and life-changing conversation he's ever had to have. Mirroring his three-time denial of Jesus by the courtyard fire, Jesus is now asking Peter, do you love me three times by the breakfast fire? Jesus knew exactly what Peter had done recently, even before Peter even knew himself what he would do. And Jesus knew exactly what Peter needed to find healing and restoration in that very moment. He applied his grace in a very specific way that spoke so much louder than words into Peter's soul. He gave Peter a second chance. How many of us are in need of a second chance? A third chance? A fourth chance? A fifth chance? A second chance after a relationship breakdown? A second chance at life after war, sickness, drugs, addictions? a second chance at stepping into obedience. I remember so clearly when I got my second chance. I had just started uni and I had been um, a Christian for about three or four years. I was so angry that my dad had um, remarried and started a new family after my parents' divorce. I rebelled and I did a lot of things that I regretted in order to gain attention. But in my sin, the Holy Spirit came so graciously to gently convict my attitude my actions, and all I could feel was an overwhelming sense of God's love for me. A love that covered a multitude of sins. A love so powerful that all I could do was fall on my knees in tears, repentance, and worship. And this morning in our prayer meeting, um, Melinda actually shared uh, a similar thought that as we are faced with, God's holiness and his goodness to us, all we could do is respond with worship. And that's the thing about God's grace. No matter where you've come from, what you've done, or how many times we've failed, whether you've followed gurus in India like Andrew or denied Jesus at the point of his death to save yourself, he knows exactly what we need in order to redeem us and give us a second chance. Simon, son of John, Jesus begins, as though he's meeting Simon for the first time, before he gives him the name Peter. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Of course, Jesus' questions weren't, Peter, what have you learnt over the last three days? How have you grown What has been your biggest takeaway from the last three years of journeying with me? In what areas do you think you could do better next time? What did you learn about yourself? No, Jesus' questions were simply, Do you love me? Because this conversation here, this reinstatement of Peter's calling to be the rock on which Jesus built his church, this question of whether Peter loves him, this wasn't a test. This wasn't a... Question to get answers that Jesus didn't already knew. No, this was an invitation. This was Peter's second chance. In God's unfathomable mercy and amazing grace, you and I are invited to be in relationship with him over and over again. After every failure, after every mistake, after every hardship, after days, weeks, months going by without a thought of how our relationship with the Holy Spirit completely changes and transforms our everyday, letting years go by like Noah, saying that I'm a Christian but living life by doing things our own way. Jesus is there with his hand extended, inviting us to be in his embrace of his redeeming love again and again and again. Do you love me? That's all he asks of us. Not our gifts or talents, not our service or good attitude, not even our Bible knowledge of what we can offer. No, he asks for our heart, for our love for him, and our willingness to be in relationship with him. Do you love me? To paraphrase the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, we may be the world's most eloquent speaker, but if we don't love Jesus, we're just noisy gongs or clanging cymbals. We may have the most impressive spiritual gifts and great theological knowledge and faith that can move mountains. But if we don't love Jesus, it's all worth nothing. You may give away all your possessions and even suffer martyrdom. But if you do it without love for Jesus, it profits you nothing. Love for Jesus is an essential motive for all you do for him. When Peter first met Jesus and encountered his power in a miraculous catch of fish, his first response was to cry out, Oh Lord, please save me, I'm such a sinful man. Because he was awestruck by the number of fish that they caught. And on that first encounter, Jesus graciously tells Peter not to be afraid, Because from now on, you'll be fishing for people. By God's grace, Simon the sinful man became Peter the rock. Not only did he get a new name, he got a new job. And here on this beach after Peter's failure and Jesus' resurrection, he once again experiences God's grace. He gets a second chance. Simon, son of John, Jesus asks, Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. I can just imagine the tremble in Peter's voice as Jesus refers to him by Simon as though it was the very first day that they met, tears rolling down his face, overwhelmed and awestruck once again by Jesus' power and grace as he cooks the fish he again miraculously provided. Then feed my sheep. I don't know if you noticed, but when Peter and the disciples came back to shore to Jesus' breakfast fire, he was cooking fish and bread. Jesus already had fish. He had food for them, even before they had a great catch of fish. What they caught only added to the menu, it didn't make it. Jesus isn't dependent on us, but he invites us to contribute. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. In other words, love me and love my sheep. Feed them, care for them, disciple them. For Peter, this invitation to love Jesus and to enter into a relationship with him once again meant that the trajectory of his life was about to change. He not only got a second chance to be in a relationship with Christ, he got a second chance at stepping into his calling and kingdom purpose whether it's the fish he's cooking or the fish we think we've brought to the table, when we find ourselves confronted by the, God's grace and all-sufficiency of Christ, we realise that what we have is not our own and our lives are not our own. Like Noah, when we enter into a life-transforming relationship with the Father, all we want to do is tell everybody about it and encourage them to do the same. The grand test of Peter's love for Jesus was his usefulness and obedience to Jesus' commands. To feed souls, to tend to, to care for and disciple his people. Do you love me, Simon, son of John? Then feed my sheep. At the crux of it, we can be going to church, we can be singing worship, we can be praying, we can be prophesying, we can be reading our Bibles, we can even be successful Christian business owners, casting out demons, and doing all those things. But if we don't love Jesus, and we're not making disciples of all nations, baptising them, and teaching them to obey everything that Christ taught us and commanded, then what are we doing? Loving Jesus and feeding his sheep doesn't mean we're called, you know, all called to serve in these four walls. But at church... Guys, we have a whole generation of youth and kids in our very midst who are needing to be discipled. Who will teach them what it means to have a true relationship with God and model a life with Jesus? Who will speak into their lives and call out and raise up the next generation of leaders, of shakers and world changers? Who will invest the time to mould and shape them into godly adults who are prepared to represent Jesus in their schools and their workplaces? who will prepare them to think beyond themselves and live a life of mission to those around them and beyond. Guys, our kids' ministry are so desperate for leaders. Sometimes we have like three or four leaders looking after over 40 kids. Our youth group has been growing consistently, and I've, I've heard that we're constantly seeing 30 to 40 youth coming on a Friday night. But we've only got a team of four youth leaders serving week in, week out. Yes, we need to be out there turning to our community. And for many of you, representing Jesus and sharing Jesus to your neighbours and to your workplaces. And we talk about that a lot, and we, that is something that we really value. But we must not neglect the sheep that we have here, that God has already placed in our midst. It takes a village to raise a child, and we'll all have a part to play. So how is God inviting you to contribute? You know, this morning we've heard the testimonies of Andrew and of Noah We've stepped into the shoes of Simon Peter. But most importantly, we've been met by the God of second chances. I don't know who needs to hear this right now. I might get the worship team to come up. But the same God, in all his grace and sufficiency, is inviting you to be in relationship with him this morning. No matter where you've come from or how many times you've failed, he's ready and waiting for you to say yes. Do you love me? And even this morning, as Pastor Kyle said, if you do not have this relationship with Jesus Christ, today is the day that you can say yes to him. Lord God, we thank you for who you are, Lord. God, we thank you that you're a God of second chances. You're a God who is in the business of changing lives. Mm -hmm. Lord, that you are a God who has touched the lives of Noah and of Andrew and of many, many more people here in this room. And God, we thank you that you are a God who continues to do that each and every day. And Father, I just want to pray right now, Lord, that even as we sit with you, Lord, as we we step into your presence, God, Lord, would you speak to us, Lord? Would you convict our hearts, God? Would you show us your grace and your mercy, Lord? And God, help us to have the courage, to have the faith, to have the willingness, Lord, to step into what you've called us to do, Lord, called us to be. And Lord, we just really pray for. More of your work is God, who will come and who will walk alongside our next generation. People who would be willing to tend to these sheep, to feed these sheep, to care for them, God, to teach them your ways. Lord, we thank you that in all things you are gracious and you are good and you are compassionate and merciful, Lord. And God, we we ask, Lord, that you would